Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to the Pemberley Podcast. Welcome again to another week of the Pemberley Podcast, where this week we will be discussing episodes 9 and 10 of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. We are already in the double digits of the plot. We want to thank everyone again who's reached out to us through email or through Twitter or any social media and letting us know your positive feedback of the podcast. We so appreciate hearing your feedback. Yeah, we appreciate you. And also, we love hearing from you because we really want this podcast to be the source of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries community. So... It's more of a back and forth conversation when you guys write in. Speaking of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries community, we'd like to ask a favor of all of our listeners. We would like to grow our community. And believe it or not, an easy way for people to find out about us is if you were to leave a review on iTunes about our podcast. Yeah, if you go ahead and do that, we would love to give you a shout out on the podcast. That's as much as we can show our gratitude for you taking the time to do that. But it's a really easy way to help other people discover this podcast as well. And we would really appreciate hearing uh, more of your input. We would love to reward you with material goods, but we can't afford that. We are not (laughs) at that level. We're not at the level where we've got a podcast that rakes in all kinds of money. Do those podcasts exist? I think maybe. I don't know. Uh, Do people podcast for a living? No. (laughs) Feel free to do that and make sure to follow us on our social media. Again, our Twitter is at the Pemberley, and on Instagram, we're at the Pemberley. And of course, we post the episodes on WordPress where you can also find any pop culture references or any articles that we mention in the podcast. You can always find those there. Just trying to make things as easy as possible for everyone. Yep. And by easy, we mean creating like eight different websites for you to listen to this. (laughs) And follow along. Follow along. But follow our Twitter, guys. We're hilarious. (laughs) My mom says so. I'm assuming she says so. Hi, mom. I know you listen to this. (laughs) I was brainstorming with Jillian and saying, maybe I should, we should just have our moms write us iTunes reviews. Yeah, so help us by not having to force our families to... write reviews on our behalf and uh, make it an honor system thing. I mean, I could always write my mom's review on her behalf on my own account and be like, hey, this is Yolanda's mother. (laughs) Yes, this is Jillian's mother. We love them and their podcast. Five stars. You never. (laughs) Yeah, five stars. Six stars if it were possible. (laughs) Without further ado, why don't we just dive into episode nine? Yes, episode nine was written by Darren Strauss. And in this episode is titled Single and Happy-ish. It's Mm. all Lizzie talking about how she's single and she's perfectly okay. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah, this kind of, it's actually kind of a perfect segue from where we left off last week where you and I were speculating whether or not she's actually happy being single or if she deep down in her heart of hearts wants what her mother wants for her, which is... To get married to a rich single man and have 2.5 grandkids and have that white picket fence. Lizzie has done the research. She has actively gone through and is 
doing everything in her power to go against her mother and saying, look, marriage at at my age may not work out. So I'm going to show you all this research showing that it's fine that I'm single right now because clearly her mother is still so, even though Jane, things seem to be like probably going good for Jane, mm-hmm. she's still like, well, I have two other daughters. <laughs> I still got to focus on them. I'm not out of the woods yet. Oh, yeah. Now, now that I'm 23, 24 feels really young. Because it's just like one year from now for me. I, I think that's how aging works. It's like, <laughs> is you, it? Yes. What? Like a year happens and your number gets bigger? I know. I, well, I think, you know, in high school, you think people at 24, 25 are adults and they oh, have yeah. their lives figured out and they know what they're doing. I'm sure I, you know, I imagined when I was in high school being this age, I thought, oh, I'm going to have my own apartment, like mm-hmm. a cute two bedroom or one bedroom apartment in mm-hmm. Santa Monica and doing all this <laughs> great stuff and not there yet. You're but still doing great stuff, I'm, Yolanda. <laughs> yeah, working toward it, but you sort of think that every age a bit older, like, I'm going to have things figured out by that age. And it just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen. And you know what? Actually, if you think about it, that's really what the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is. It's a girl who thinks she's got it figured out, who clearly doesn't have it figured out, and she's learning very slowly that she sure as heck does not have it figured out. It's a really cool process for her to be documenting this, and I wonder if Lizzie ever looked back and watched her videos back what would she think of these early videos of herself she's like i'm such an idiot i thought i knew everything (laughs) i knew nothing yeah but she does sort of talk about how her mother has a very traditional view of things i like it when she says oh that reading writing and studying that reminds me of from beauty and the beast uh the song bell the big sort of opening broadway number where the townsfolk go, look, there she goes, that girl is strange, no question, dazed and distracted, can't you tell? And then, blah, 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 with a dreamy, far-off look, with her nose stuck in a book. I mean, I think this is our Lizzie. Are they being a little condescending toward Belle? Oh, no, no doubt they're being condescending yeah, okay. toward Belle. But it sounds so happy. <laughs> but it, it's hard to pick up on the condescension. It's when Disney. It's, <laughs> when it's Disney, and they're all dancing around with their bread, and... You know, they're just getting like on shooting epi- ducks. It's like an episode of Great British Bake Off. They're all just dancing around with their bread. And- yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that show? I've seen parts of that show, but I've never... Where do they sing and dance? Did I miss that no, part? No, I mean, I, that's just how I imagine Britain, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but they're in that's, France and Beauty and the Beast. That's all of Europe, right? That's all. Doesn't everyone over there just sing and dance? They're all just better than us. <laughs> You're right, though, that... Mrs. Bennett is very traditional. She's like, oh, my daughter is more focused on her on her education than finding a man. Oh, my gosh. But we get another sneak peek of maybe Lizzie is exaggerating and Charlotte has to step in and correct her. Yeah, the way Lizzie recalls it is that her mother dressed her up as a spinster when she was seven years old, I believe. <laughs> or six, like one of those young ages. Yeah, as a spinster for Halloween, which I don't think at that age I knew what a spinster what would, was. What would a spinster even look like? Hang on, I'm looking it up on dictionary.com. <laughs> A spinster is an unmarried woman, typically an older woman beyond the usual age for marriage, which is a really vague, (laughs) that's really vague, the usual age for marriage. But that would be like an old woman. I'd I'd actually really like to go as an old woman for Halloween, but I'm thinking of one 
special lady in particular. You know, you and I are big fans of Broad City. Yes. Um, oh, okay. I know where for this anyone is going. Else, <laughs> for anyone else who's a fan of Broad City, there is a crazy old woman named Garol who eats yogurt <laughs> and is the sole employee at this creepy packaging plant on North Brother Island. I'll post it on WordPress later on. You're not going to be sorry. <laughs> You'll dress up as her for Halloween. Yes, and I'm just gonna. Someone's gonna be like, "Am I in the right place?" And I'm gonna be like, "You are." <laughs> <laughs> My supervisor's watching. Back on track. Charlotte steps in and says, "No, uh, you were not a spinster. No one knows what a spinster is at that age. You were a witch, which I think is a much more traditional Halloween costume for children or anyone else." I don't know if Lizzie was aware at that age. Seven-year-old Lizzie thinking, I'm a spinster. Mm -hmm. Or if this was her looking back on her youth and saying, my mother dressed me up as a spinster. How dare she? It was probably one of those ages where Lizzie was too young to plan her costume in advance. Right. So the witch costume was sort of thrust upon her. Mm -hmm. And because she doesn't remember wanting to be a witch, she must remember her mother thrusting spinsterhood upon her. (laughs) (laughs) The spinsterhood must be thrust upon you. Like greatness. Yes, exactly. Like greatness, spinsterhood is thrust thrust upon upon you. you. I love that. But this anecdote about her spinster or witchhood does have a purpose because we are introduced to another character, Rick Collins. Who she proposed to as a child. Very forward of her. Just to get her her mom off her back. Mm -hmm. Because I guess already at that young age, her mom was obsessed with getting her matched away. Mm -hmm. So she proposed to Rick Collins, who we now know through Lizzie, is engaged. Mrs. Collins' dickheaded son! Uh, Who is engaged, who is... People cannot believe he's off the market because he's so... We don't even know what's wrong with him yet, but, I mean, this is a pretty quintessential character in Pride and Prejudice. Even though it's very quick, we're getting a lot of information about Rick Collins. When we're introduced to him, sure, he Mm -hmm. seems to be some kind of either neighborhood kid or childhood friend of Lizzie's, but we're also getting the information that he's engaged, which does change the narrative as we know it of Pride and Prejudice, because, as we know in the books, he is supposed to propose marriage to Lizzie, then eventually goes on to marry Charlotte, but... This kind of is the hint that there will be no romantic involvement between Rick Collins and Lizzie and Rick Collins and Charlotte. Right. I think this also presents a unique opportunity for you and I to speculate wildly (laughs) about what Rick Collins' purpose is in the modern adaptation. Because in Pride and Prejudice, he's really important to the Bennets. I mean, they've not, like, never even met him. They just know he exists somewhere. Right. But he's important because even though he is a distant cousin, he is the next male heir in the Bennett line. And so back then, girls couldn't inherit land. So if their father were to die, none of them would inherit the land unless they were married. Then it would go to the son-in-law. So Mr. Collins is the only guy... Who is going to inherit. And so in the book, he's, he's trying to be a nice guy. He's like, listen, I I want to keep it in the family. I don't want to kick you guys out of your house. So I'll marry one of your daughters. Like, I'll just go No for big it. deal. No big deal. Like, I'm doing you guys a solid. Even though, well, we don't know anything about him yet. But we know he's a dickhead. Whatever that may mean. To Lizzie. To yes. Lizzie and Mrs. Bennett. But clearly, this girl who's marrying him is someone really special. 
Someone can tolerate him. Someone can tolerate him. I'm sure she's a very special snowflake. But clearly no one in this area wants him, wants anything to do with him. So if he's not there to marry the girls to inherit the fortune, then what do you think he's there for as a plot device? It's tricky to modernize everything in the book Mm -hmm. because it is set in in that time, in the 1800s, and... There's only so much that you can modernize. We've already cut out two sisters, making that, uh, making it the average family size. Mm-hmm. You can't have that plot device of they need to marry Rick Collins because otherwise their family won't inherit their father's fortune. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, think about what Mr. Collins does later on in the book. Because he's supposed to marry one of the Bennett girls, but that doesn't end up happening. When he marries Charlotte, mostly that just kind of drives a wedge a little bit between Elizabeth and Charlotte. I think then that's that's the reason that's his purpose is to kind of stay in the narrative and eventually he will drive that wedge between them and test their their friendship, which what is what happens in the book too. It tests their friendship. Mm-hmm. His name is Rick Collins. In the book, his name is William Collins. And they did. They changed his name. Well, I it's- think it's worth mentioning that in Jane Austen's time... There were, like, two names. Sure. (laughs) Your name was William, or it was Fitzwilliam. Jane Austen wrote this. She named a character after herself. Has anyone else ever wondered that her name is Jane Austen, and she created a character named Jane? Who's perfect? (laughs) Yeah, what's she she trying to say? I think she's saying that she's perfect. (laughs) Practically perfect in every way. It wouldn't have worked if they called him William collins well, because we've we got are, william darcy we've already got william darcy it would have been confusing for for the audience don't you think it was confusing in the book when darcy's name is fitzwilliam and then he's got a friend named fitzwilliam <laughs> don't you think that confused people yolanda i think in that time they were like oh this totally makes sense because they, everyone knew like 10 different williams so they're like all right i know which william they're talking about now do you think it was like when you're in elementary school and there's more than one of someone. And so you're like, Lauren H. Or it's, Lauren S. I was going to say it's like The Bachelorette. The Bachelor. <laughs> or The Bachelor. Where there's like five Laurens and they have to go by Lauren F, Lauren H, Lauren mm-hmm. S, and yep. all that. At the end, Lizzie does have the quote saying, All life doesn't revolve around men anymore. Because in Jane Austen times, it, marriage was kind of the main thing you had to do as a woman. Do you think the Lizzie Bennet diaries would pass the Bechdel test? Have they passed? I'm sure they have. I mean, right? uh, well, like not, I guess not if you like look at the entire series, but if you go episode In- by episode. Interesting. So for those of you who don't know, the Bechdel test is basically something that determines whether a work of fiction can feature at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. I'd say that does happen. In this episode? In this episode, but just kind of sort of where we are in the series in general, I almost feel like we're talking about... It's like normally you'd think the opposite of talking about a man would be not talking about a man. But in this case, they're, Lizzie's talking so much about trying to not talk about men. That's very true. So it's like... Does that it's count? Weird. I don't know if it counts. It's just a, an observation, a thought I just had, and I thought I'd put it out there in the world. Because she's actively talking about not wanting to talk about marriage and guys and wanting to move past it but she always gets pulled back into that conversation or she brings it up herself as with we saw previously with darcy she's like i'm so done talking about darcy (laughs) but let me rant about him for four minutes yep so everyone can hear my thoughts yeah so interesting food for thought 
And actually, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is getting a little out of sequence from Pride and Prejudice at this point, because chapter seven is all about Jane's invitation to Shay Bingley, and then she gets caught in the rain, and she has to send Lizzie the note, and Lizzie goes and visits her at Netherfield, and, like, that whole thing happens in... Very early on. Yeah, very early on, and we don't know, we haven't even heard Mr. Collins' name yet, so... We're we're getting introduced to Collins a little bit earlier than usual, but that's okay. We're timelines are just kind of crossing over and bleeding into each other. So episode ten is not that interesting. Well, it gets interesting. It starts off so boring. You know, it's so funny. I was rewatching this episode. And Lizzie's like, oh, now that there's no more drama to talk about, I'm going to show you guys pictures of cats with a chinchilla. And I'm just like, this episode is dead to me. I can't believe you were going to go there, Lizzie. What happened to your interesting life? (laughs) This episode was written by Margaret Dunlap. And it is interesting that life has sort of subsided back to normal for her. This is normal life. This is back to everything she's ever wanted. Not talking about any of the guys. Not talking about her mother. She's finally back to where she wants to be so she's gonna show pictures of cats and chinchillas so boring. <laughs> because that's going to boost her viewership as she hopes she's gonna lose viewership i'm gonna I, reach through the screen and go no lizzie <laughs> i wonder how short this video would have been if that's really all she had planned if jane hadn't walked into her room this video would have been maybe a minute long of just a slideshow of cats and I was, chinchillas i was wondering that too i'm thinking were you gonna show a slideshow was it what was what was the plan? What was your end game? Maybe she would have made up little voices for the for the animals She's... and narrated what they were doing. <laughs> Ashley Clements is pretty good at all those voices. Yes. So that would have been kind of entertaining, but I can't say it would be as entertaining as Jane's news, which is that she got flowers at work from a boy. And it was specifically from Bing Lee. The Bing Lee. Who we still haven't met, but we're hearing great things about him. I mean, the guy sends flowers at work. That's classy. So everyone knows your hot stuff. <laughs> I mean, And specifically, specifically with the purpose of an imitation. Yes. And I really love this scene because we get to see Jane try and lie. It's the best. She's so bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, us, you and me. And Lizzie's like, why... Do they want me over there? I just hate it on their best friend on the internet. Well, they don't know that. They don't know that yet. If you want, I can read the actual letter from the book. Oh, really? Yeah. In the book, it actually came from Caroline. Ooh. Because it was a little more appropriate for a woman to reach out to another woman. Gotcha. Gal pals. She said, My dear friend, if you are not so compassionate as to dine today with Louisa and me. Oh, right. And in the book, there's two sisters, Caroline and Louisa, Mm. and they kind of scheme together. We shall be in danger of hating each other for the rest of our lives, for a whole day's tete-a-tete between two women can never end without a quarrel. Come as soon as you can on the receipt of this. My brother and the gentlemen are to dine with the officers. Yours ever, Caroline Bingley. Very sassy of, like... Come if you want, otherwise I'll hate you. <laughs> well, no, I think what she's trying to say is my sister and I are on the verge of breaking out into an argument because we're two women and two women can never get along. So be our third, be our plus one. And my brother is and Darcy are going to be out ski. So that also didn't happen here. I mean, there would be no point. Caroline's just uh, 1800s Regina George. I'm so glad you said that out loud. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense now. I feel like the whole internet just exploded. Yeah. Put Mean Girls quotes on Caroline. 
Caroline. <gasps> and we will spread those around. Spread the love. Mean oh Girls and the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. My heart can't take it. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, this is this is amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm fanning myself. <laughs> oh my goodness. So is Aaron Samuels Darcy? Kind of. He's ungettable. Like, Aaron Samuels is a nice guy. He's a mix between Bingley and Darcy, I think. Yeah, because he's a nice guy like Bingley, but he's also kind of ungettable like Darcy. I like where this is going. I will create those pictures and post them when we post this episode. Everyone's going to retweet it. (laughs) With your mad graphic skills. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, my knockoff Photoshop skills. Right. Yeah, so they have the opposite problem. In the book, their problem is... It's more like Jane's got to make a good impression on Caroline and Louisa. But in the Lizzie Bennet diaries, she has already made a good impression and they are furthering the relationship with a meetup meeting between their two families. What could go wrong? That, yep, that is a little forward, actually, to just bring the two families together already. I mean, he's being polite, inviting everyone, but couldn't he also have just asked her out on a date? I agree. Like, I think it would have been a lot more romantic. He could have just sent her flowers and be like, hey, let's get dinner sometime. Just us. Yeah. But because we have to deal with the adaptation mm-hmm. and sticking close to the narrative of Pride and Prejudice, it has to be the entire family. Yeah. Interesting. I think that a one-on-one date would have made this go a lot faster, but then we'd have no plot. We'd have no conflict. Yeah. He's got to make it seem like... Maybe it's not romantic and he really just wants to get to know the neighbors. So he sends flowers. Flowers are romantic. We learned that from another web series. We're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Imagine if he had sent yogurt. (laughs) What a great, like, little call call that would have been to a future series. He could have sent celery soda. But we continue to see Lizzie's stubbornness. She basically, at first, before she figures out that the rest of the family is invited, she thinks that maybe it's a weird double date thing where she's going to hang out with Darcy and Jane's going to hang out with Bing. That still at least makes more sense. It does make more sense. But Jane says, well, prove me wrong. Why don't you get to know Darcy? And she's like, I don't need to get to know Darcy. I know he's horrible and shuts it down. Despite the little information she knows about Darcy based off a of first impression, knowing that he's painfully shy, she still doesn't care to know, get to know him any more than that. I mean, it would be her first one-on-one situation with Darcy because she, yeah. so, she met him one-on-one at the wedding, but you can escape in a room full of people. You can escape to the bar or to the cake or to your other friends and there's no place to escape when you're at a dinner party i think that's why she wants to avoid it as much as possible i know but i just love seeing jane try and make it sound like a good idea yeah. and lizzie's just doing what is it, the vulcan mind reading which yeah is like, and lydia <laughs> and mom wait what about mr bennett is he just being excluded here I feel like Mr. Bennett wouldn't mind being excluded, but you have to extend the invitation all the same. I think it's interesting then that Bing would specifically send the invitation to Jane for the entire family. At when work. I think it is more appropriate if you're inviting the entire family, usually you invite the head of the household, like mm-hmm. the, you would invite the parents. Yeah. So maybe he would have gone over to their house and brought flowers to Mrs. Bennett and said, Hi, introducing myself again. Would love to have your entire family over for dinner Mm -hmm. so our families can both meet. I think maybe that would have been the more appropriate response or or next step. I think Bingley is sending really mixed signals. He is. Because he's sending flowers, which are romantic. 
and he's sending them at work, which means he doesn't want mom to see them. He wants her co-workers to see. But then he's inviting the whole family and he's relying on Jane to relay his invitation to everyone. That's weird. That is, that's a mixed signal. It is. It's kind of strange. I would be very confused if I were Jane and I'd be like straight up, do you like me or nah? <laughs> but you it's know. like elementary school those little notes like do you like me check yes no or maybe and then send it back and then but bing would be the dick who would check maybe because he doesn't want to say yes without knowing that it's a yes from jane right so don't give that third option yes. it's a yes or it's a no and we don't know what it is right now at least at the end we do get the picture of the cat and chinchilla which not the best picture or the cutest picture of a cat and chinchilla. I'm actually glad you said that because I remember I, I paused it on that image and I was like, it's, I mean, the cat's cute. Chinchillas are cute, but they're not cuddling. They're no. not smelling daisies together. They just kind of, they're not even touching. They're just looking at each they're, other. Yeah, <laughs> had an awkward distance away from each other, unsure of each other, and just not wanting to engage. I'm Googling cats and chinchillas. Let's see if we can find a better picture than yeah. Lizzie. Oh my gosh. I just found the world's cutest picture of a cat and a chinchilla. Look at this. That's adorable. They're looking into each other's eyes. Wait, either. this is, I, I need to Google it too. <laughs> Where was this image? Look, cuddles. Guys, there's so cute photos of cats and chinchillas. The one, I, I do see the one that they posted there on mm -hmm. Google image search, but there's cuter images. What happened? I encourage all of you, if you find that you have no life and no and absolutely nothing to do and you're between Netflix series or something, I encourage you to Google cats and chinchillas and you'll probably find a little better pictures. I mean, there's not a lot of choices, no. but there's some cuter options. There's cuddles. Maybe they had to get it cleared. So the Maybe. only permission they got from was this sad one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes when you have to pay for images. When you want to monetize your videos. Yeah. You got to make sure you got permission for everything in the video. Without further ado, why don't we move on to the comments section. The comments from episode 9. Uh, so Yolanda, would you like to read the first comment of episode 9? First comment is by Lucy Freeman, who says, YAY! In all caps. Poignant first comment. Another one from Punk Rock Pixie ninety five. Great username. I agree. I had a. I saw that and I was like, I just. I don't care what she says. I just want to say Punk Rock Pixie ninety five, who says I woke up this morning and thought to myself, today is a Lizzie Bennett video day, and I was very excited when it popped up on my subscriptions. Lizzie Bennett, never a disappointment. Oh, kind of a callback to Lizzie Bennett. Decent enough. She's more than decent enough. She's, She's never a disappointment. That's lovely. It is lovely. By Punk Rock Pixie 95. Punk Rock Pixie 95. It's very punk up. rock to be nice. Yeah, totally. C Squared Verbs says, I like this episode because it hints a lot at Lizzie's bias coloring our understanding of the world around her. Like with the spinster versus witch thing. We only get a view of Lizzie's mother through Lizzie's performance, and it tells us a lot about Lizzie herself. So many layers of perception and performance. The series is an English major's dream come true. I chose that comment because I was an English major, and it is a dream come true. There's a lot to analyze about the series, not just in the choices they make in what to adapt in modernizing it, but seeing this modern version of Lizzie, how she how she would act in today's world and what choices she makes and what she chooses to broadcast to the internet. Someone should make a podcast about it. <gasps> oh, wait. <laughs> 
Uh, leave us a review on itunes (laughs) next comment by nicole sweeney who said i'm not sure if i'm more in love with the general pride and prejudice awesome or the fact that as a fellow 24 year old female mass communications graduate student who will soon be living at home again this is basically my life so does this mean i will get a darcy soon let's hope so nicole sweeney i hope you you found your darcy let's hope you find your darcy Write in and tell us about it. <laughs> tell us about your Darcy at the Pepperly Podcast at gmail.com. John Berger says the spinster thing was seriously inspired. And I love that we only see Mrs. Bennett through Lizzie's eyes. That way she can be just as over the top insane as she was in the novel and not have to actually be a real person who's that insane. As I said, like in the first episode, I think in watching the miniseries, of Pride and Prejudice, Mrs. Bennett in there seems so outrageous. It doesn't seem believable and it's a little annoying. So seeing Lizzie act out her mother's antics is more entertaining to watch and you would think, okay, Lizzie's just exaggerating. She's just exaggerating how ridiculous her mother's being. But I think it's a really clever way, again, to show the parents without showing the parents. And think of all the money they saved on acting. Exactly. (laughs) All right, the very first comment of episode 10 is actually the exact same comment. Oh, goodness. The first comment of episode 9, which is from H. Niece, which is, yay! Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Not all caps. That's just the quality we're getting with first comments. Yep. I still think people should take my advice about the essay thing, where you write an entire essay or just love, just like spitfire it out. go back in time. Just go back in time. Get your time machines. And get your TARDISes. And then just like post immediately. And so you can have the most intelligent first comment ever. Specifically use your time machine technology to comment on a Lizzie Bennet Diaries uh, video. Don't do anything that'll help the world. Yeah. Uh, We don't want to like mess things up. Yeah. (laughs) The, the, you know. The whole wibbly, wobbly, tiny, whiny. Don't mess with that. Don't mess with that. Next comment by a little Jay Stills said, I just get more and more excited as this continues on. Will we ever get to see the mysterious Bing and Darcy? One can only hope. We didn't know, again, at this point, whether or not we would see the guys. We can only assume and hope, but we'll see. What if it turned out to be the Lizzie Bennet Dyers is just only girls? Like, you know how in Shakespearean times, all the plays would be men even playing the women? Right. Like, girls are just playing everything. The internet would have exploded and attacked Hank, I think. (laughs) would have gone to Missoula in mass and they would have knocked down the doors of DFTBA or wherever he is Hilarious. and said, give us Darcy now. Hilarious. Nutty Nicole 11 says, well, Lizzie, points for trying. Good luck at Bing's house. Maybe next time after you tell us how it went, you can talk about school or something. I'd love to hear more about your normal life outside of all the man drama. Hint, there is no life outside of the man drama. We have cats and chinchillas. That's what you That's get. That's where it ends. Dang, that is sad. Natty Nicole, I think, is in the minority of viewers (laughs) in wanting to hear about her regular life. She's like one of the people who go, we're trying to learn here. Can you not distract us with your men? (laughs) And Chen said, I didn't know Lizzie could do the Vulcan mind meld. (laughs) Actually, I don't want to say this one. All right, I'll read the comment. I'll read the comment. It's a little, uh... Uh, there's there's a bad word in it, but I think it's hilarious. She says, holy shit, monkeys, that's awesome. <laughs> Yolanda's too good to I'm... read. <laughs> she can't read that word. If my mom listens to this one day. <laughs> well, I was quoting mom. <laughs> Even though Lizzie Bennet Diaries doesn't comment on pop culture ever, they at least did this one thing that does 
bring in something of pop culture-y stuff. It's a very insidious reference. She just sort of acts it out. I mean, I I admittedly haven't really seen a lot of Star Trek, so right. I wouldn't have known that if people hadn't commented. I only knew it because I think around that time, that's when the reboot movie came oh, out with Chris okay. Pine and Zachary Quinto. Quinto. They do show that in the movie, so I thought, oh, I know that because... Because of the movie. Because of the movie. I'm not because I watched the original series. <laughs> Hilarious. And finally, Thomas Lipscomb says, Jane's hot. There. I said it. Well, someone had to say it. Someone said it, and, and, and now that's it's there. Now it's there. I think we should go over the poll results yeah. for this week's quiz. So in case you don't know, every week before we record the podcast, we put out a poll asking you a question based on the episodes we discuss. And this week, the question was... It's that time of year again. What will you be for Halloween? The options were a spinster, which won at 47%. Man. A witch, which came in at 24%. And an agoraphobic lobster, which came in at 29%. I'm a little surprised. I really thought lobster was going to win. So did I. That's why I put it as an option. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not good at Jedi mind tricking our audience into, why don't you vote for this one? But you know, it's I like that we're a democracy. Yes. So... Spinster won. Did you vote for Agoraphobic Lobster? I didn't. <gasps> you voted for Spinster. I voted for which? Really? <laughs> I was being realistic. You were like, the 24%. I was being realistic. I'm always realistic with these. I'm like, what would I actually come into the office dressed as? You are painfully realistic. <laughs> of, of these three. I was imagining like, oh my goodness, building the claws would take so much arts and crafts work and I don't have the time for that. All right. And the Spinster, no one would make, no one would get it. All right. I'm just going to go with which, okay. You're probably thinking, I work in an office. This is a professional environment. I'm I not going to be able to I, type. <laughs> I could just wear the hat and I can take it off if it looks ridiculous, but I can keep it on to show my spirit for Halloween. Exactly. Oh my gosh, you're hilarious. <laughs> I'm too practical about these what things. Do you, what do you think I chose? The lobster. Believe it or not, I chose spinster. Okay. So, you know, even though agoraphobic lobster was like my favorite answer, like you, I was trying to be practical, but I was a very different kind of practical. Sure. I figured I'd go as myself. And just say spinster. Or, like I said, I want to be Geralt from Broad City. I don't want to make any assumptions about Geralt, but one can assume she's a spinster. Is that is that genuinely who you're going to dress up as for Halloween? I'd really like to. <laughs> it's kind of a matter of me finding the right sweater. Like, I think it's like a brown sweater. So. And like a sort of house dress and like orthopedic shoes. And then, but it's mostly a matter of working on my gravelly voice. You are, you know. Just, yeah. I think, and she's also got a name tag that says Geralt, and she's so just like spooning yogurt helps. into her mouth. So it's just, yeah. it's, my costume is predicated on the outfit availabilities and the yogurt. I feel it's one of those very specific costumes that you would have to explain it more for people to enjoy it. But for people who understand it, they would really enjoy the reference. I agree. Because no one, I mean, if you don't watch Broad City, you don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And even Geralt only had a very brief appearance. She's not like a main character or anything. Yeah, I still don't know what I'm dressing up as for Halloween. Well, I think we know it's a witch. Because <laughs> okay. it's so simple. It is. You can just grab a broom from home. It may do the same thing I've done for the past two years. Which is what? Which is just wear cat ears and draw on whiskers and carry my Captain America shield. So then I'm Captain Amiawika. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. <laughs> I love that. That's clever. Yes. 
Love it. I may stick with that. Jeez, I, I Geralt feels unworthy now. That's you put thought into that. I didn't put thought into mine. I let someone else create this character that I will portray. Maybe I should create something. I mean, I've repeated it now twice, so I don't know how original it gets. See, but we wouldn't have known if you hadn't told us. Oh, well. I'll still do it. And I want you to do it, and we're going to take a picture and post a picture of you on Halloween. Great. And anyone else, feel free to take that idea and spread it around. Yeah. Captain Amyawika. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Pemberley Podcast. Once again, remember to leave us a review just to spread the love, and we will totally bring your name up on the podcast. Something we do want to mention, in case you haven't noticed, we have started to change the way that we label our podcast episode names. We originally were naming it by the episode numbers that we are discussing in the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, but thinking ahead, if and when we do Emma Approved, we want to make it as easy as possible to understand what episode number it is, what series we're talking about, and what series episodes we're talking about. So that's why there's that change in how we're labeling our episodes. Oh yeah, speaking of growing the community, uh, thanks to the hundreds of thousands of you who have written in to our email <laughs> address, you have asked if we're going to be doing... Lydia's Diaries, and the Q&As, and Maria Lou's Diaries, and Emma Approved, and we're figuring out the logistics of that, but the answer to that is we'd really, really like to. It's just kind of a matter of figuring out how we're going to organize everything, so you can look forward to our comments on that. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye! Bye.